Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I know around about this time of the day, many people are finishing up their lunch and they love to have a cuppa afterwards, perhaps a coffee, but lots of us really love our cup of cha, don't we? A cup of tea after the dinner, after most meals, in fact. In fact, probably every hour in the day. We're Irish people. We adore our teas, don't we? Well, my first guest today on the show has made a career out of drinking tea, but when I tell you that she actually didn't taste tea until she was 12 years of age. She went an entirely different direction in her life, working in marketing in a law firm in London. But bit by bit, a hobby which she started on Instagram became her career. I'm delighted to say hello to Eileen Donaghy this afternoon. Hi, Eileen. Hello, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Not at all. How many cups have had have you had so far? It's one thirty in the afternoon. How much tea? God, I think I can see three cups, three empty cups beside me. <laughs> had maybe five really? so far. Not too bad today. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> but five by one thirty is quite a lot of tea, I have to say. Look, you are uh, renowned as somebody who knows their teas. You're tea champion with the UK Tea Academy. You wrote a book called The Beginner's Guide to Afternoon Tea at Home. And, of course, you are across social media with this tea thing. You didn't drink it till you were 12? Well, I wasn't allowed. I think my mum always said, no, no, you're too young. I think it's a bit like sugar nowadays. It probably would send kids wild, wouldn't it, if they had it too young? But... Mm. Um, no, it was a strict household, and uh, I think yeah. When I was about twelve, that's when I started my love affair of tea. And it, back then, it was only one cup in the evening. And as I said, it's escalated quite a bit since then. Mm. And was it loose tea or tea bags back then? Back then, it was tea bags, but um, I have a more refined palate nowadays. As I, <laughs> well, I love different types of tea, and I'm always interested in trying new blends and different types because you know there's so many types of tea before I started to learn about this whole world you know I thought there was just what we call tea in a tea bag and it was Mm. black and you added milk but it's uh, it's just fascinating to me how many different types and blends and what different people do with it across the world it's fantastic. Now, the big debate, of course, is tea bag versus the loose tea. The tea bag is so convenient and people dip it in the mug. Some people give it a good squashing in there or whatever. Loose tea, it has to be. Is that what you're saying to me? Far superior well, quality? You definitely can notice a difference in the taste. So during lockdown, obviously, like many people, I didn't leave the house. 
And um, once I first went out then to a cafe and had a cup of tea that was in a tea was made with a tea bag, I thought, goodness, I could really tell the difference. Mm. Um, so you can taste the difference. And I think, you know, if you're in an office or you're in a rush and you just need a quick cup of tea, of course it's fine. And, you know, I won't sound like too much of a tea snob to say <laughs> uh, I, d- I drink tea from a tea bag as well. But if you are looking for a really good quality cup of tea, I think loose leaf tea is, is far superior. So take us through your process. Let's start. You boil up the kettle. Tell us what you do from there, please. Okay, so you have to use boiling water. That's very important. And you would, I think it's nice to use a teapot, even if you're mm-hmm. using a tea bag. Mm-hmm. So make sure you heat the teapot with a little bit of water, drain it out, um, then add your tea bag. And I think this step that is something most people skip over is to make sure you let it brew properly. Right. None of this, you know, dip it in and a quick swizz run with a <laughs> teaspoon and off you go. I think you need to let it brew for at least two minutes. Right. Um, and then obviously everyone has their favourite cup or mug. I think um, a bone china teacup, you can taste the difference. Um, and then always pour the tea into the teacup first. And then add milk if you're having milk. That's my way. I agree with you. I don't understand this. Do you know what I often see people doing as well? Getting the mug, putting the cold milk in, putting the tea bag into the cold milk and then pouring the boiling water on. I think that's heresy. It is. And do you want me to tell you where that comes from? This whole adding the milk first? Please do. So back when... um, Tea came to the British Isles and porcelain was relatively a new concept. It came from China. No one here knew how to make it, so they made a cheaper, soft plaster version instead. And when people would add the hot tea to this softer version, it would crack. So in order to get around it, what they would do is to add in the milk first and sort of swirl it around the teacup so it would act as a seal. So then when it poured the hot water in with the tea, it didn't crack. So people who couldn't afford the porcelain and did it this way, they were known as being cream first people. Mm. And that meant you were a bit cheap. (laughs) So (laughs) that's where it really comes from. Oh, fascinating. History lesson, I have to say. So just back to the tea. Boil up your kettle, warm the teapot, uh, rinse it around that your teapot is warm. Out it goes. Do you reboil the kettle for a second before you then put it in on the loose tea or the tea bags if you're using them? Well, people, um, some people say you absolutely must not brew the, uh, sorry, boil the kettle twice. Mm. I mean, I think for the sake of a minute or two, it's fine to reboil it. Yes. Um, you wouldn't maybe leave it sitting all day and then go back and reboil it. But within that very short space of time, it's fine to reboil it. Mm. Um, you want it to be as close to boiling as possible um, when you're making black tea. Um, it just really helps brew the tea properly and get the best taste. I'm afraid to say this to you because I think you'll uh, lose it all together. <gasps> if I mention mm-hmm. microwave in the context of making tea. Well... I don't think anyone in Ireland would do that. No, mm. I think. <laughs> it's, I would hope not. Yes. But some people do that, apparently. And I think, you know, I just don't get it at all. If that's not, you don't need a microwave. Or worse still, I've heard about people using an oven to, bo- to, to boil the water, which is just insane. But no, 
the microwave is not something it's you need to absolutely make a out are you mm-hmm. listening to that folks I just asked the listeners today what's your favourite brand of tea I have to say when it comes to the tea bags we, we we had Lions tea bags for years, but we've become huge fans of Barry's tea in the tea bags, I have to say. But what about listeners? You're listening to us today. What's your favourite brand of tea? And what way do you like to brew it? Let me know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. I'd love to hear from you this afternoon. Is this true, please tell me, Eileen Donaghy, that you actually got engaged over a cup of tea? I did. And, you know, you would think someone like me would expect that to happen but it was a big surprise um my my husband did the Dublin marathon and he said as a treat after the marathon he would take me for afternoon tea and he said I'll need plenty of carbs and you like afternoon tea so pick wherever you want to go and we went to the Marion and uh towards the end uh, when we were sort of eating through the cakes uh to my surprise he got down on one knee and uh, I don't know how he managed that after running a marathon, but he got down on one knee anyway and uh, popped the question. What a love story that is. Fantastic. Yeah. Well done, sir. That was absolutely <laughs> brilliant, brilliant thinking. What about you and brands? I mentioned Barry's there, I mentioned Lions. Mm. You know, what about those, you know, brands that are picked up all over the place in any, from any supermarket, shelf or yeah. shop? What do you make of those? They do vary, you know, quite a bit. And I think some people, if you're brought up on a specific brand, you know, you wouldn't give Barry's tea to a lion's household or vice versa. Yeah. For me, when I was smaller, I was brought up on Bewley's. Yes. Um, But I think nowadays, you know, if I was going to make, you know, if I was going to go and buy tea bags, um, I think, was it? During the pandemic, when we were locked up and I hadn't very much to do, I did go and buy a whole load of different brands and tea bags and put it on my Instagram of mm. which ones tasted better. And I think from memory, the Martin Spencer's brand yes. was quite nice. Yeah. And I looked at all the different prices as well. Um, I don't want to slag off some brands I didn't like, but <laughs> Martin Spencer's was very nice. Yeah, and I do like Lions and also Barry's as well. Okay, very good. Um, uh, the Campbell's is a loose tea in a yellow uh, container, I know, and I buy it from time to time and use it. It's a loose tea, and it's a lovely tea as well, I have to say. Campbell's, I think, is the name on it, uh, and I've picked it up. And when I'm doing loose tea, I absolutely love that. It is a beautiful, beautiful tea. So must tea, you know, what about drinking tea black without milk or sugar in it? Or, you know, I don't take sugar. I just take a wee drop of milk Mm. in my tea. That's all. No sugar. Where do you stand on those, you know, those issues? Well, let me tell you, um, the whole idea of adding milk came from um, when when milk first came, uh, sorry, when milk, when tea first came um, from China, we didn't really know how to make it. And we overbrewed it normally and it tasted very bitter. So we used to add milk or honey to make the taste, improve the taste. Mm. So we don't really need to do that nowadays. It's more of a, a habit, really, that we do that. I think, you know, if you're having black tea, if you want to have milk, great. But you need to be careful. There's certain teas you would definitely not add milk to. Like? So your green, green tea. Yep. Absolutely not. Darjeeling. Yes. It's a big no-no. Um, I say I wouldn't add tea to an Earl Grey either, which... Mm. Some people are split on that, but I think you want to appreciate the lovely 
um, flavors without milk. So those are my sort of top top ones that you wouldn't add milk to. There you go. I'm getting plenty of reaction. I knew I would. Uh, there's a big Lions Tea family there saying Lions Tea all the way. And there's a number for Lions Tea. They're even sending me in images of the boxes, the green box of the Lions Tea as well, <laughs> the original blend. But there's somebody uh, coming just as I speak to you, agreeing with you. Uh, Eileen says, You can't beat Bewley's tea, Jerry. It's absolutely gorgeous. So there's somebody actually concurs with you and and, and what you have to say. Now, look at you. um, We we know about afternoon tea and it's a a lovely treat and people love going for the tea and the little beautiful canapes and sambos that go with it as well. Mm -hmm. You operate out of the Marriott Grosvenor House in Park Lane in London. Yes, so I was there this week actually um, on Tuesday. So I was um, giving a talk on afternoon tea etiquette for a number of guests. Um, so I work there, but I also um, travel all around the world really if someone, you know, if it's for a corporate event. Um, so I'm due to go to France um, in a few months. And this was one of the highlights from last year. I went on a cruise uh, mm. to Norway to talk about tea on the cruise. So uh, tea is loved all around the world and I think it's amazing where where it takes me. Well, I can tell you, I remember the day we went to the Royal Residence in Hyde Park there in London, what you call it. Um, I'll think of it in a moment. We booked afternoon tea. It's where Kate and William, they, they live near uh, there. But anyway, we, we booked, I'll, I'll think of the name of it in a minute. My old head is like a sieve. But anyway, myself and my wife, Miriam, went there when we were in London one time and we booked the afternoon tea. Well, you know something, it was just simply gorgeous. But there mm-hmm. is an etiquette around this whole thing, isn't there? Yeah, so, um, you know, there's quite a few, even around the teacup itself as a whole world of etiquette with that, the way that you eat the tea, the order in which you eat everything, there's quite a lot to it. Um, I suppose if I was going to share my kind of top tips, it would be follow the order correctly. So you start with your sandwiches, then you move on to the scones, and then you finish with the pastries. So you should always do it in that order and you should always wait for the, for your guests who you're with to move on at the same time. So you wouldn't tuck into the cake when everyone else is still in their sandwiches. <laughs> so that's one. Uh, and then the way to, you know, the milk and the tea is another one. So when you pour your milk in, if you're having milk, don't clank the teaspoon and, uh, you know, don't swirl it around the inside you spill everywhere and don't clank it off the edge and definitely don't stick your little finger out whenever you drink whenever you drink the tea that's holding the finger out as you hold the teacup it's a little yes. habit it's a little habit you see people doing that's a no no is it Eileen that is that's considered oh. to be quite bad manners oh there and, you go uh, yeah a few different reasons and stories behind it but it can be quite rude in some countries uh, so if you were maybe in the Middle East you wouldn't do that um, but, but you would keep all of your fingers tucked in. Yes, I have it now. We had afternoon tea in Kensington Palace. I was going to say yes. I yes. thought it might have been there. Yes, yes. it was. Lovely. I've been. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. And the way they just cut the little tiny sandals and the way it's presented, it is beautiful. And you know what I loved about them there? They came up to us. You could have had any amount of tea. Do you know what I mean? You had the table for a certain amount of time and there was no restriction. They'd refill your cup whenever you wanted or fresh teapot would come down, you know, which was lovely. 
It is. And I think if you're going for afternoon tea, I always recommend that people should try a different type of tea they don't normally drink or they haven't had. Because it's just nice. You get it made for you correctly and it's handed to you. Why not try maybe an oolong or a lapsang song or something a bit different that you maybe wouldn't have had before? Oh, you know what? You're great. The Barry's Fan Club, the Barry's Tea Fan Club are onto us as well. They're not letting the side down here this afternoon. Oh. Uh, Eileen, you're lovely. I wish you well with all you do. Just tell them, where can they uh, follow you? Instagram? What, what's your handle on Instagram? Yes, Instagram. My name is Afternoon Tea London, all one word. Afternoon Tea London, all one word. Eileen Donaghy, it's been a real pleasure. I'm looking forward Thank to my next cuppa. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Eileen Donoghue there. Afternoon Tea London. Great! I love TV. We watch TV. TV Themes with Jerry Kelly on The Late Lunch. Remember that TV movie we saw? TV, TV, Oh, what a show. What a show. Do you know it? Do you recognise the TV theme? Half an hour of opinions and debate coming your way on late lunch because this afternoon Sinead Cavanagh, Cameron McCarthy and Kira Burke are our women with opinions. Welcome one and all to the show. Welcome back. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you very much for joining me. I have to start with a Burke today. Can you not sort out that member of your family, Kira, your your cousin? (laughs) They're the evangelical cousins. (laughs) Yeah. No, no relation. Thank God. Um, He arrived at school today. Yes. I heard. I don't know if he has met the two o'clock deadline to well, get into court we're just after two and we're watching here anyway we have it on the t- as soon as we get something on it we let you know but he's got to purge his contempt by two o'clock today or at 700 euros a day and going up from next week yes yes what, what do you make of the whole situation like all extreme religious um, groups yes you know, like we've done extremism, we've looked at extremism all over the world and what what it does to people. The poor kids that are in this school are having no education at the moment because Mm. everybody is looking at this and everybody is looking at the, you know, is he coming in? What time is he going to be there till? Can you imagine them looking out the door, out the window? Like, I mean, the poor kids in in Wilson's Hospital School are getting no education because they're just, um, you know, it's a distraction. Should he really do what he's been asked to do at two o'clock today, purge his contempt and just leave things be? Yeah, he, but he won't. Carmel? Yes, he certainly should. I say, OK, we can we can go on for psychological lorum and say he's the courage of his convictions, that we've become too politically correct and all the rest. What I see here as an issue is someone who thinks they're above the law. None of us... Not one person is above the law. He feels that he has, you know, absolute right. Nobody has because we thankfully live in a democracy. He has got to suck it up, purchase contempt, say, yes, this is what my beliefs are. Fine, you're entitled to those. But moral and legal are different and we're muddying the waters here too much. Mm. And so suck it up, Enoch. 
you know, you've got to get on with your life. He's a young man. Mm. It's crazy. Mm. And just say, I am not above the law no more than any other person in this country. And I think what Kira said is a very important point. There are students in that school, Absolutely. lots of them, who are trying to continue with their education. And this is an, an unnecessary distraction. And this is where that's the immoral bit, yes. in, my, in yes. my opinion. Sinead. Yeah, I'd agree with, I, I agree with both um, my counterparts here. Like, there is a legal obligation. It's stalking. It's harassment at this point. He's harassing. The ultimate, he was He was originally um, taken in and charged with the um, conduct, his conduct with regard to the principal. Now, were I that principal, I'd actually be putting in, a say, a protection and barring order against him at this point so that he can't be within 500 yards or two miles or whatever of him, which means that he can't be at the school. Full stop. The, the, le- the legalities are there to be able to manage this situation. But unfortunately, we're in a society where any bit of drama is great fodder for the new the, the airwaves, the news lines, the newspaper, the print mm. media and in social media. Do you know what I mean? They're using it. He is, he is I dare say, perhaps a, a mouthpiece now for the, the, um, the beliefs of his family and whoever else is. And is beliefs that are held more which, widely as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't, I don't, I have no issue with that at all. But I can't stand at inside a school gate at a school door where I've substitute taught and start spouting my beliefs and faith. If I'm asked to move, I go. Mm. Whether whether there was anything untoward in what I say or not, yes. the mere fact that I am interfering yes. with the work of the day, which is teachers going in to do their job, students going in to learn, kids looking at sitting their mocks now next week. It's absolutely ludicrous that mm. that he's been given this airtime. Mm. No, what I was thinking there was, you know, why were we going to shake him up? and say, wake up, this man is highly educated. Mm. So are his siblings. But often, you know, an education, as my mother used to say, gets wasted on some people. And I feel it's wasted on them. Uh, You know, when you look at the word educate, comes from the Latin educo educare, lead forth and bring forth. There's no leading forth and bringing forth here. It's stopping. Mm. So... No, shake him up. I, uh, the father's bringing them into school every day, so yeah, where, he, where's he come from? No, no, look, at he has full support of the family, yeah. obviously, and they believe sincerely in his stance. There's you know a, I mean? there's, it's, it's known as frivolous and vexatious, and within the legal system, his argument at this point... I am an employee and the, what the court's ruling or the the, um, cease, the cessation of the employment <coughs> is not due to start for a couple of months. It makes no difference. He, his conduct and that of his family is now frivolous and vexatious and it is within the bounds of the law to be able to stop it immediately. And it needs to happen. These mm. kids are, are they've too much pressure on them already. They don't well, need this we're going to see because I'm sure there'll be breaking news shortly. But anyway, €700 Euro a day if he continues and of course it will go back to court and there are going to be other ramifications as well but let's watch this space. Thank you for your views on that. Let's move on. Um, Pascal Donoghue and the political donations. <laughs> Sinead, do you want to take that one up and 
what the subsequently uh, it's now emerged that Sinn Féin had on Look the at all the cupboards are being rattled and the doors are being kicked and the skeletons and bones are falling left right and centre the one thing with regard to Pascal Dunhu in particular that I have an issue with is that he didn't just um, take you know uh, hold accountability for it happening within his watch um, I don't like people being thrown under a bus especially when they're deemed to be subordinates uh, I think if you're standing up as a leader of something or the head of somewhere you, the book stops with you and you take ownership um, and I don't like to hear that this So you're referring that, that he the, the man who provided the, oh, the so money so or the van and that, yeah, he put didn't up the posters me. He you, didn't say yeah do you know okay. what sorry no no just own it grow a pair and own it I'm allowed to say that in the airways You are yeah, yeah, you are yeah, Carmen Well the thing is the question that's or the wasp that's going around in my head is what is obviously there is the process is not robust enough and that's where the kernel of the problem is. They all muddy the waters around it. And when I say all, I say that very loosely. Uh, so, you know, how many more mm. if we really, as you say, sh- rattled the Kick cupboards? A few more doors. Yeah. yeah. And I'd say the cupboards had come falling down. The doors had come off. All of us. All of us. So I think that's where it has to go back to now because this emerges every so often Mm. that someone is after getting, you know, a few bob here or there. Okay, you could argue it's only, what, 1,400 or something. That's a few hundred euro in in all cases at the moment. It's not significant money. But it's it's the process. Okay, Kira. Okay, well, can I make a, a suggestion? Can I say something? Can, do I charge my time for going out to canvas for a politician? Do I do I char- do we go down that far? No, do you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because, Canvases um, are voluntary, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. So is yes. this guy, Michael Stone, did it voluntary, and he paid his own staff to do the postering. That's where I think this that's is where the from. nub is. They, he, there was money involved. If the staff no. had driven on the basis that they chose to do it, but he, it was but his no, money was his, involved. It was his money. Yeah, but it was his business's money. So what? Yeah, that's the thing. Well, that's what I but don't get. Did he, did he write it off against his tax As bill? tax bill, yeah. You see, this is where it gets messy. Road, <laughs> and I'm telling you, there's independents across this country that are shaking in their boots <laughs> this very moment <laughs> yes. about what's under the cupboard for them. Yeah. Well, I can tell you now, right, there isn't one person and I have been asked to run for politics and I can tell you I would not run now with all of the media and the, and it's it's a shame that you can't yeah. get encouraged good people. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm a good person because I'm yes. probably crazy most of the time. <laughs> but um, I'm just, I, I just yeah. don't, don't see why we have to be attacking, attacking, attacking politicians. Pascal Donoghue is a, is a great politician. He has done so much for this this country. He is, um, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with any of the other. I think Mary Lou is great. I think Piers Darcy is great. great. I yeah. think they're very good politicians. But are we going to take them all down stem by stem? Mm. Because if we do that... We're not going to have one person no, I think standing. And who case. is going to replace them, guys? Put proper protocols in place. Put proper procedures. There's an SOP. My goodness, we all have businesses. We all have SOPs. You have to have a standard operating procedure. You yeah. put it in place. And everyone that does anything for you, you tell them, this is how we do it. Don't go maverick on me because it'll be my neck in the noose. And it needs to be okay, their well, neck in yeah. the noose, not someone else thrown well, under sorry. a bus. Going maverick 
was not getting a, a fella to do, put up a few posters for you. Like in my like in my experience of getting people to do favours for politicians, anyone who is a friend, I oh, sure I'll get the lads to do that. No, when I say that, that, I don't mean that. I mean, if there's a procedure in place and this is how it's done, follow that. Yeah. It's it, Once it's in place, then don't be going off to Absolutely. Carol, you're the woman for the procedures. Yeah, yes. oh God, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm choking on procedures. And like that, you know, we have a review coming up with uh, one of the... the the train where, well, pre-hospital emergency care council, we have to answer for every single thing and make sure that we can support everything we say we do. It's as simple as, or else we lose our accreditation. Mm. So, as I say, they're they're not above it. Now, I do agree that it's very difficult to get people to run for politics because it is a thankless job, but hang on. Go into it, stand up, be counted, and you've nothing to fear. Yes. That's it. Okay, but can I just say, right? There's good people out there doing good work, like Michael Stone, who'd put up the few posters for um, Pascal, right? He was on the board of two very good. Um, committees, one for um, inner city, getting the inner city developed for young people and whatever. And he was on a land development because he's a builder or whatever, I presume. But people are working on boards. They're not getting paid mm-hmm. to work on those boards. No, I'm sure you're on you're on a board. I'm on Track a couple ships. of boards. Yeah. I'm on, on a board Unpaid of management voluntary. at a school. I don't get paid for those. Mm. Um, I'm a businesswoman that's trying to keep a business going. But I voluntarily do these things yeah. for the good of my community. The good of the village. And yeah. the good of your area. So, like, here's he's had to resign. Well, he's decided to resign because he says... Well, geez, For him, you... it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and but... it is because he's obviously a man of ethics and a gentleman. But I don't think he should have been put in that position because I think it should have been owned from the top. And should he have gone then, Pascal? If somebody has to go if for this so, well, amount of money? Well, if somebody has to go, well, do you know what? It's you. Once you put yourself in the higher echelons, you're playing with big stakes. Mm. And if you haven't got the cojones then don't do it. If you have to go, you have to go. If you screw it up. The money was only resting in his account, says a, a listener there to us on late lunch this afternoon. Let's move on. Um, you've heard this story uh, about the science breakthrough with mice, it has to be said, in the States, where a scientist can now stop the ageing process and, in fact, reverse it. So I want to ask you a question, Kira Burke. Mm. If you could go back, if we could go back in time and reverse the age, what age would you go back to? Jeez, it started all over again. Would you? Well, geez, I have had a great life. So, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I actually love the age I'm at now because you can say what you want and you don't really care So what you, people think. you wouldn't go back? I don't think I would. Not if there was social media. Not okay. a chance. Uh, I interesting. Like, I wouldn't say. like people looking at me and oh, taking yeah. photographs of me asleep in a flower bed after a <laughs> at night out. <laughs> Backwards over that wall. With the, yeah. Now we're spilling a drop at the Bulmers. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. When you think of it, when you do think of it, you know, what phones and these images yeah. that are popped up immediately. Oh, and people, you've no privacy. You can be taken anyway. Carmel, what age? Uh, I would think probably around 40. But I have to say, I enjoy where I'm at now. I yeah. enjoy the age that I'm at. Probably, yes. you know, with age comes wisdom, as they say. Why around 40? What, 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 why was 40 special? Because uh, I probably had matured enough at that stage. Mm. I'm convinced that people don't mature till they're about 40. I'm convinced of it. Like, your right. uh, 20s are fairly, fairly tumultuous. Your 30s, 
you're you're starting to wake up and smell the coffee. So about 40, you tend to say, right, I have arrived at some level of maturity. <laughs> so I suppose if I was to pick it, but like I'd like to have the wisdom that I have now. Yeah. In your 40s. And the yeah. other thing about being 40 is that you don't have that menopausal role that just adds onto your waist when you're 50. Oh, so. Come here, write that at 23. <laughs> <laughs> Sinead. So we were talking about... I. If I could have what I know in my head now, I'd go back to 23. And I was asked why 23, not 21. 23, the spotlight's off you for losing the plot and going nuts because at 21, you're legal for everything. So everyone's expecting you to go. But 23, no one's looking at you anymore. So if I had the wisdom I had now um, at 23, if I could go back and tell her there'd be 20 years that wouldn't be wasted, I think. 20 years of, like, you know, Kira's saying, life has, can be difficult. I, I've had a fairly rough life up to, to kind of 45 and I thought, yeah, do you know what? Enough now. I don't need any more of that. Mm. So I go back to 23 and I go, now here's what you're not going to do. So you'd have the knowledge in your head but go back to then. Would you stay as you, and, and you, we were talking off mic there, this is your question, uh, Sinead, would you stay where you are yeah, today? Yeah, so if they can reverse ageing, can they, can, stop presumably it. they can stop it or they so can would slow you stop it now? down. Yeah. So I think if I had to, if I could have a choice, slow it down for about 10 years at least, because I have 10 years that I need, I, I could do a catching up on. Okay. And I had the maturity thing. I probably need to do a bit of that. You said you'd be, you're happy in your skin at the moment. <laughs> yeah, so. I am. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if we could stall the ball, it would yes. be great. Because I find as you get older, yeah, life tends to appear to go quicker. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah. I, I would. I'd stall it. And I'm just thinking, like, if I stalled myself, but then everyone else was going on to get older, I'd be the same age as my kids in 10 years' time. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you'd be able to run rings around them because you have not 20 that, years no, more not wisdom. that they are only ten. I was only ten when I had them, but you know what I mean. I was um, like, uh, you know that kind of. Yeah, that yeah is no, you'd have to drag a few witches. Well, the three scenario. of us could. I'd like to just move. I actually, <laughs> I actually am not afraid of what's going on. Going to be. Yes. No. I'm just going to go with the flow. When it's your time, it's your time. When you drop, you and drop. And don't be afraid of it either because your hips start giving you trouble when you do. If you <laughs> let it happen, your hips won't bother you. And that's metaphysically speaking. That's. But on the ageing, on the reversing, and as you're saying, slowing it down, I'd love to know if this scientific breakthrough is going to have an impact on Alzheimer's. Yes, well, and you know, that, know whether they can the more important. Yeah, well, that's, that is the serious side I'd of it. We're having know, a bit of fun yeah, today. Yeah, but actually, that. that is where the research is headed. And yeah. that's what we're, what we're keen to find out. But guys, uh, can I just say I'd love to come one. back like, in a while all, later and have a chat about with that. With all one. of these uh, medicine improvements and, and remedies, we're all going to live longer mm. and we're going to be busting out of nursing homes. And we're yeah. going to have so many old people wandering around with with diseases and all like you know, the aging process is there for a reason. Yes. Like it's like someone born, someone dead. Yeah. Like we're I, not going to live forever. No, no absolutely. No. And I but really when you see like early onsets of things like that. Yes, now, I know the early onset stuff. Turning the other day, early onset Parkinson's. Mm. Do you know so when you see that happening and somebody been cut down in prime of life? Yes, yeah. that's you know. that's sad. Well, on on a on a light note, there's a friend of ours over in um in Scotland who turned eighty yesterday, and her mother is still alive. Oh. The mother's 101 and she's razor sharp. I was going to say yeah. she was 10 when she had her. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what they're telling us that our children being born today will live to 110, 120 and beyond. But that's for another day. What about Paris Hilton having this baby at 41, her first baby? The one thing that struck me as soon as I heard was everyone will be like, oh. Cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Oh, well, sure, she'll be grand because it won't matter to her because she's loads of money and all the rest of it. Do you know what? 40 is a, is an age that's very difficult for people to become parents because you've been completely competent in your life up until that point. Whatever your life has existed of, whether you have pots and pots of money or whether you haven't a pot to be in, it doesn't make any difference because the emotional and psychological um, impact of becoming a parent is the same for everybody and we all experience it as anyone who is a parent and that goes for anyone who's parenting their parents whether they've had their own babies or not whether they've fostered or or guardianship for other kids once that mantle of parenthood rests on your shoulders it doesn't matter what your socioeconomic demographic is Mm. and for anyone that's you know so I wish her the very very best of luck I hope that she doesn't find it too difficult Mm. Um, I hope that um, things go easy enough Uh, you know it's, it's a hard enough job as it is mm. and she's and, been trying for um, a while yeah and fair play very joyous and and I think sometimes like what can happen then is you have that element of a fearful parent as well mm. because you've waited so long and tried so long the, the miracle babies and you know you ha- still have to let them grow and you still have to let them develop yeah, 41 would you do it again at 41 you had your children well I was a geriatric mother at 36 when I had my I last, was a geriatric uh, at 33 yeah <laughs> I was 39 on my last yeah so I really was um, a geriatric at that so you were only two Two years behind Paris. Yeah, Hilton. but that was number four. Mm. Yes. Now I did feel the difference, you know, mm. in, yeah. uh, by comparison Physically with my well. first. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's you know it's uh, no matter what the book stops with you, no matter who you have giving you a, a dig out, and like the spotlight will be on her, yes. which will make it more difficult. Yes. And certainly, you know, no, I'm not saying that she'll end up with with postnatal depression, but all of us had the whinges after yeah, having blues. all the our baby babies. Blues, it's, it's and a God love her. Phenomenon. Yeah, she'll be watched. She'll be yeah. under, oh. you know, a spotlight. If she leaves the house and her hair isn't coiffed yeah, perfectly yeah. and mm. she's wearing yeah. a pair yeah. of oh, she'll have plenty of help. Yeah. She'll have plenty of help for bit. sure. Yeah. Are you better having them younger? You know, with oh, I hindsight. think having babies is like I, I said to my kids, like they're all late, early twenties and late teens. I said, have your babies in your twenties. Like I know yeah. I shouldn't be probably saying that to them but I need to get your career and all that. But like by the time you get your career, your house, whatever, you're 40. Yeah, like now yeah. you're 45 because by the time you and get all that. And it's a massive that, impact on the psyche. A massive, Absolutely. it's going to have huge effect. I always think that when you're young, are, yeah. you just, 
it just goes it, it's much easier yeah my mother used to say have them when you're young and you grow with them yes because yes. ignorance is bliss yeah mm. you're all just get, stepping into the world for the first yeah. time and whereas don't by the time you're 40 for your you've, first you've gone round the rodeo a few times like you know so mm. you're kind of going and him and hawing and then should I shouldn't I do I don't I and then you do and then go god I should maybe I shouldn't have and mm. you know there's a huge amount of, there of hardship there's a huge within amount. the psyche and it's not just the about. age of having the baby it's like all of the um, fertility issues of yeah that can lead up to it yeah and even and the postnatal care and the difficulties and for some women it means that their fertility goes on much longer so they're they're much later going into menopause for some women it can actually start menopause Mm. when they have a baby later in life because Mm. especially if they've had fertility treatment you'd know it's our field of expertise wouldn't (laughs) you you just would anyway quick word before we go great news on the Oscar front for Ireland brilliant I'll be honest my head has been under a rock all week I know that we were nominated in lots of ways and Colleen Colleen Kuhn and I know the Banshee of Inishirin and I've special uh, uh, regard for for Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson but I I, it's absolutely fantastic you know it it shows the quality of the the actors we have producers directors etc there was a fella on I can't remember which politician who stood up in parliament this morning was it yesterday a Scottish um, Mm. MP (laughs) and he stood up to congratulate Barry Kyogen as a, as a child of the care system mm-hmm. and he says yeah. as a fellow child of the care system I just want to show how you can achieve whatever you need let's the world. leave it on that yeah, note today wonderful wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. I want to say a big thank you to Sinead Kavanagh Holistic Parenting Carmel McCarthy from EMS and Associates and Kira Burke from Sage and Stone always a pleasure thank you for joining thank you, me Jerry. Thank, thank you Jerry thank you Jerry Book Club on late lunch and I'm delighted to say hello again to the owner of Academy Books Irene Gahan hi Irene Happy Friday, Jerry. How are you? I'm good and happy Friday to you too. Let's get straight to business. Tell them what you've uh, selected for your book of the month, please. So our book of the month that we're reading at the moment is Frederick Backman. My grandmother sends her regards and apologises. It's <laughs> <laughs> a brilliant title, isn't it? What a title. When I saw the title alone, I thought to myself, God, I have to find out more about this book. I see it being uh, described as a gem of a book. Do you agree? Oh, completely and utterly. Um, it's one of those books I think just sits with you. You know, literally, st- I'm still thinking about things in it. Um, it's very, very good. Lovely, lovely book. Um, it's based around, no, obviously he's Swedish, so it's translated into the English from somebody um, who I'm convinced might be a little bit Irish because he use word, uses phrases like a bit of a muppet. Um, so I'm convinced yes. whoever translated it has a touch of Irish in there. But it's basically about uh, a grandmother who's 77 and her seven-year-old granddaughter. Now, her seven-year-old granddaughter is highly intelligent, super smart. Um, I suppose you describe her as maybe a little bit precocious um, and definitely too, too, uh, you know, too old for her age. But it's based around these two characters, um, and it's just a lovely book. It's all woven in that they obviously that those are the two main characters, and they live in this house. Um, and all the characters are kind of, you don't realise that they're all woven into a story together, but the relationship between the grandmother and the daughter is lovely because the granddaughter's being bullied um, and the grandmother does all sorts of things to 
uh, take her mind off being bullied. But it's funny because her, her mother's very, very, her grandmother, <laughs> let's say her grandmother's a little bit cuckoo, um, in the best possible way. I'd love her to be my grandmother. <laughs> um, but her mother's very straight-laced and then we find out her dad is very, very um, particular about things. So you can kind of see where, where Elsa comes into play, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's just lovely. It's just mm. a beautiful, beautiful book. It is, and you know the thing about it is the little girl, the parents, and I don't want to give too much away as separating, there's a, another relationship going on as well, and you said she's been bullied at school, but this granny, she's eccentric, but by God, is she uh, so important to that little girl? Yeah, I mean, I love the quote, um, the the line in it, granny was the sort of person you brought with you when you went to war. I thought, oh, mm. <laughs> that's such a lovely line. And I, it's very, and I love the pieces where... Um, you know, I love the bit where the daughter brings in kind of Harry Potter and Wikipedia and she's left the granddaughter and she's looking things up. And I suppose what we kind of find out, I'm not going to give too much away, but we, we find out very early on that Granny has, uh, Granny basically breaks out of her hospital, um, kidnap, well, it wasn't kidnapped, but basically takes Elsa on a trip to the zoo. They break in um, and they get arrested. Um, <laughs> all because she wanted her granddaughter to see the monkeys. And then the police obviously she gets arrested. And then she she's giving out to the mother, who's her daughter and obviously Elsa's mother, and she's saying, um, you don't even have a license. I have six licenses. And she goes, driving licenses, yes, but none for this country. So we kind of then realise, oh, this eccentric granny has a past here. Um, and so there's something else going on <laughs> in yes. the background. And that obviously follows through then the story as well. But it's it's just... It kind of reminded me of 100 Years of Lenny and Margot, which I absolutely loved. Um, but it's just a lovely, lovely, lovely story. It's a lovely book. Yeah. I'd, I'd absolutely recommend it. And he is the author of A Man Called O, which is in the cinema at the moment. Yes. Tom Hanks. Called Otto. Yes. Tom Hanks. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is the man who wrote that story as well and it's now yeah. a big hit on the uh, silver screen. So Book of the Month Maybe. from Irene Gahan today is My Grandmother Sends Her Regards and Apologises. Highly recommended. You love it. And I just want to finish up by saying you'd hardly think that little girl was seven but in another way you can <laughs> see that she only is. It's the contrast of both. So that's your uh, Book of the Month. Let's yeah. move on to The Colony by Audrey McGee. Now, I, I have to say, I had to read two literary books in a row. Yep. So I actually struggled. So I actually stopped and I switched, switched over and I watched Red Trespasses because you know me, mm. I love my fluff, well, my life, I love my crime, I love my nonfiction, and I find it very, very hard to read two literary books back to back so I put the colony into next month's book okay. and I focused on trespasses okay so we leave that one aside even leave though leave that uh, aside for a second uh, yeah. I, tell you, I tell you why if you thought uh, her, if you thought Frederick Bachman's book was light and this is dark <laughs> yeah yes this is very dark and, and I, you know what I'm very one of those people I cannot read two dark heavy books back to back and I didn't realise how heavy these books this book was going to be um, it, it's by Louise Kennedy and it, she won the Unpost Book Awards um, they're just uh, the last book awards and it is very dark. <laughs> right. Not, not, yeah, okay, so basically, um, Kushla is a primary school teacher and she's living in a small town near Belfast. And I suppose it's 
daily life in the mid-1970s in what would be a mixed Catholic-Protestant community in the North. Um, and you're kind of coming into the strong, you know, the kind of heavier end of the troubles at this time. And they're both, you know, both kind of, both are trying to find some sort of balance and um, sort of unsteady relationship of living in the same place, if that makes sense, in a small town where you you know, we know what's coming and we know how dark it is. We know, but obviously they're trying to live their lives in under this kind of cloud and darkness. And even how the, you can feel the oppression, in, you know, and the kind of darkness in the writing in the sense and you can it feels quite bleak I mean the 1970s weren't great as it was yes but you can feel how dark it was and you can feel the kind of um, pressure that they would have been under so she's basically dealing with the reality of kind of daily vice and daily violence and one of the things that I you know the opening part of the book which I really liked um, was the words the seven year old should never need to know a booby trap in century device petrol bomb nitroglycerine and rubber bullets um, like no you know no seven year old should never know those and she's obviously a primary school teacher and then she works in the pub in, her, in a pub with her family pub at night time so again it's kind of the contrast I suppose from this seven year old that was in the Frederick Backman who lived in kind of all this lovely fantasy world that her grandmother was created and then this which is like the, the, the stark reality of what you know what they kind of had to deal mm. with but basically she ends up in a in some sort of a relationship shall we say with um, a married Protestant barrister mm. um, and then one of her students gets very very badly beaten so it's kind of, um, it's not an easy read. Um, and we know, you know, you know going into reading it that it's not going to be an easy read. And it's just this girl, you know, sort of 20-year-old, in the mid her 20s, trying to navigate life in the reality that is her reality, if that makes sense, at yes. that time. And, and there are parts, there are parts that are happy and cheerful, but you, you know it's not, you, you, we know it's not going to be a very happy outcome, if that makes sense, but... Um, and it is a bit of a hard read, so you can imagine, <laughs> you can you can kind of, uh, it's, it's just a beautifully written book. Um, yeah. It's a beautiful snapshot of that time, and I really would recommend it. Um, it does capture the reality of, you know, the history in that time, in that mm. place, and, and, and the underground realities and the sort of, some of the mundane, mundane yes. parts of that. I really enjoyed it. And it is our debut novel. She did write a, a previous one, The End of the World the is cul- a cul-de-sac, but it was a collection of stories, that one there. But this is our first novel, and it has been welcomed. You're right. It, it takes reading, it takes concentration, you've got to stick yeah. with it. But the basic line is it's bringing us back to an awful time. 1975, Belfast, uh, a yeah cross-religious relationship and really I think Irene about it is it comes down to you know it it, you know what you are you know what you are really in those times is the big thing that jumped out for for me of it but a very good book Trespasses by Louise Kennedy yeah very good book highly recommended by and just a word before we finish you were with us last week debating uh, Mm. Harry's book Spare you'd recommend it sure everybody wants to get their hands in it and read it once again just to remind us you you really enjoyed that and saw a different side to him yeah I really enjoyed it and you know what I mean I think it's very much like Marmite you love it or you hate it um, if people are curious about it and we're still selling we've still got copies we're still selling every day we, we sell three or four copies so 
I think it's, I really like it. The anecdotes are lovely. You know, you get to find the truth behind the tabloid headlines. He comes across as, you know, he does come across as very vul- a vulnerable person, but you can understand with his life. But his stories are funny and they're interesting and they're, you know, and there's some bits where you, you, you would laugh and there's other bits where you would cringe at some of the stories. And you think, you know, if anyone else in his, if anyone else that age kind of put that down to paper, you'd kind of go, hmm. But it's it's the context of obviously, and the context of his life. Um, but I would really, I would really recommend it. And it has been very, very well received. Um, and it's got a four point four point one rating on Goodreads. It's got a very very good um, yes. rating on Goodreads as well. Yeah, excellent, Irene. You're so good. Academy Books on the South Side of Drogheda. Check her out. She'll get any book in the world you want. There you are. I'm putting you on the spot today. Anyway, I'll try. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us again, Irene. Take care, Jerry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful Irene Gahan there bringing you her book recommendations this month. Knock, knock. Who's there? That's how it works. It's called... Comedy? Comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, sir. Comedy. Comedy. Classic comedy. Classic comedy. On the late lunch. I love comedy. And I absolutely love this woman. And I'll just point out to you and tell you that she's on the Late Late Show tonight. Don't miss her. She's just brilliant. It's Miriam Margoyles. And she has two salutary tales to tell. I parked on a double yellow line in Shaftesbury Avenue. It was um, the day of the state opening of Parliament. And I rushed up to give a tape, a tape, an audio tape, because, you know, I do audio tapes, to my agent. And I came downstairs. There was a policeman pasting um, a a parking ticket on my windscreen and I was just furious because I'd only been there for a a minute and so you know I tore it off the windscreen and I said you've got a dick that small (laughs) because I thought like the best thing is to insult him as quickly as possible (laughs) of course and he took umbrage didn't didn't like it and he arrested me (laughs) for a breach of the peace and uh, parking on a double yellow line. And um, then he called for help from other policemen and there were lots about because it was the state opening of Parliament and, you know, they're mingling around. And so um, I was taken in a, in a police car to Bow Street Police Station uh, and um, there I was arraigned and um, they said... Uh, empty your handbag and I had a few things in my handbag and one of them was a packet of peppermints but they're wrapped in silver paper you see and that the detective in charge thought that it was drugs and he said um you know what have we got here then that's interesting and I said it's just a packet of peppermints officer and he said no I think we better check you out matron and he got the um the matron to come and uh, put me in a, in a room, privately, and I knew, I knew because I was sharp, that she was going to give me an internal examination. I just knew that. Nothing had been said, but I knew it. So when she locked the door, she went out for a bit, I took all my clothes off immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would, you know, if you know you're going to be examined. And she came back in and she said, you've been here before. (laughs) I said, I have not been here before. She said, yes, you have. How did you know to take your clothes off? 
And I said, well, I know you're going to examine me, aren't you? They called you matron, so I knew something was afoot. <laughs> so, so um, she said, anyway, bend down or lie on the couch or something. And she uh, examined me, my front body and my back body. <laughs> and, of course, they thought I wouldn't like it. <laughs> well, this is a story. It's a true story. You know Martin Scorsese, I do. of course. Yes. Well, I, I was in a film that he was directing mm. called The Age of Innocence, a very good movie, by the yes, way. It I was. Hope you... <laughs> and um, before it started, you have to go in a sort of costume parade and everybody looks at you to see if the costume fits, the character and all that. And I was the very last person to be seen that day. It was a big cast and loads of people, you know, Dan Day-Lewis and Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, really important people. And then there was, you know, that shoplifter, Winona Ryder. And, and I, 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 didn't, I didn't like her. I really didn't. But, and there were lots of other people, hundreds of people, and I was the very last person. And when I got in the room, I could see they were just exhausted. The whole crew, they, they were slumped, they were tired, they were fed up. And I thought, I've got to do something to cheer them up. Because when you see people in that state, and you know you're going to be working with them, and I thought, I know what I can do. And so I stood up there, and I just lifted up my top. <laughs> and tore off my bra and my bosoms, which are large and, 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 and friendly. And I, and, I, and I just gave them to them. And it made them happy. <laughs> I have to say, she's one of the funniest women ever. She really is. She's on the Late Late Show tonight. Don't miss her. Uh, she's brilliant indeed. Miriam Margoyles. <laughs> Lots of comment coming in to us. I had my ninth child at 44, Jerry. People don't know whether to sympathise or congratulate me, says a listener. We were talking about Paris Hilton. She has money, for God's sake. She won't be looking after her own child, Jerry. And uh, J- John says, there are more important problems in the country than talking about TDs and a few pounds. Thanks indeed for all your comments. I do appreciate it. After three, sport with David and our countdown number one but taking us to top of the hour she's number one on the charts I love her and I love this song it's Miley Cyrus we were good we were cold kind of dream that can't be so we were right till we weren't built a home and watched it burn Let's have another listen to our TV theme. What a brilliant show. The Sopranos, that's the theme from Sopranos and well done to Mary Thornton. The prize from Late Lunch is yours this afternoon and thanks to everybody who got in touch with us on the show. Friday afternoon at this time, time for this on Late Lunch. Five, 
four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number one song from this week in January 2006. Just reminding you, at five was Shane Ward with That's My Goal. We played on Monday. Check on it. Beyonce featuring Slim Thug on Tuesday was the four. At three, All Time Love by Will Young. And at two, which I didn't play yesterday, was Nasty Girl by The Notorious. Well, the number one song is a very deep song as well. It's their second number one. It was their second number one. Yes, I'm talking about Arctic Monkeys. And here is the number one from this week in 2006 when the sun goes down. I said, Who's that girl there? I wonder what went wrong so that she had to roam the streets. She doesn't do major credit cards, I doubt she does receipts. It's all not quite legitimate. And what a scummy man! Just give him half a chance, I bet he'll rob you if he can Can see it in his eyes, yeah, that he's got a driving ban Amongst some other offences And I've seen him with girls of the night And he told Roxanne to put on her red light They're all infected, but he'll be alright Cos he's a scumbag, don't you know Arctic Monkeys, number one this week in 2006. You're right, Louise said to me there, that was an awful week, wasn't it, for a top five? (laughs) Mostly it was. I didn't play the two yesterday. And that song is about prostitution in the uh, Neepsend district of Sheffield. Sun goes down, Arctic Monkeys, second number one, topping the charts in the UK. I promise you, Louise, I'll pick a better week next week. But all nice songs in the top five, whatever year that is. David Sheen has a very busy Sunday sports show on Sunday because, you see, the National Football League begins the first round of games and both Louth and me, they're in action. And indeed, uh, the ladies of Louth are playing on Sunday too. David, welcome to the show. How are you doing, Jerry? I'm good. Let's begin with the men, and uh, both in the same division this year, in uh, Division 2, Meath and Louth, and they're both on the road this weekend. First of all, Meath, take on Cork. Yeah, down to Cork. Um, the Cork team, who are, are in decent form in pre-season, if, anything, if that form is anything to go by going into the league, Brian Hurley, back with them and playing well. They won the McGrath Cup, beat Limerick in that final. So they're, they're going well. They're at home. Uh, Meath, had a fairly underwhelming, I suppose you could say, O'Byrne Cup. Um, probably should have got through to the to the final, but they, they drew that game against Leeds. I think that was the one that really killed them. But, yeah, look, a, a kind of a new look Mead team. Three debutants in the shape of Adam O'Neill, Michael Flood and, and Dahi McGowan. And in terms of their league uh, debuts, that is. And, you know, a bit of a mix and match new faces and some, some guys who have been around for a while, like Killian O'Sullivan and Shane Walsh has been in there. He's back in. So it's a decent enough looking Mead team. Um Cork look like they're they're in good shape, as I said. But Colm O'Rourke, he'd be looking to get a, a performance out of it. I, I think they, they could be under a bit of pressure to get the win. I think Cork might just have a bit too much for them. But what Colm O'Rourke will be hoping to get is a performance and to see that they're competitive. Because we really don't know at this stage of the season where these lads are at. There's a few new lads in, as I said. So it's going to be a tricky one. I think Cork will just have a bit too much for them, unfortunately. But I think at this stage of the season, it's just seeing what sort of performance Mead can put in. And then obviously looking to build on, on the home games but it's going to be a really competitive division I think Cork will just, just sneak this one but I'm really looking forward to seeing what sort of performance and what style of play Mead 
Mead uh, kind of engage with next uh, or on Sunday. Indeed, that's the early game, one thirty on Sunday. Then at 2 o'clock, Loud begin their campaign and they're not far away in the banner. They're playing Clare. Now, these early games for Loud being a promoted side are vital and they look on this one as something they'll have to try and get something from, but Clare are no slouches. Yeah, Clare, well, as Mead would tell you, they were the ones that ended Andy McEntee's reign uh, in the Championship last year. So Clare are, are no mugs at all, you know. Colin Collins has been in there for a long time. He's done a really good job with them. They're missing David Toberty this year, who retired there in the off-season, so he'll be a bit of a loss. But, you know, they, they finished fifth in Division 2 last year, Clare. So they're they're kind of a battle-hardened team, and they're, they're never easy to beat. Like, Mead, Mead were beaten by them last year, but people will remember a couple of years ago, Mead played them in Port Leisha in a, in a qualifier and just about got past them. So... Clare are always really tough opponents. Loud, as you said, operating in Division 2 this year, having gotten those two successive promotions. Beaten, well beaten last week in the O'Byrne Cup final by Longford. So there'll be certainly some changes. We haven't seen a Loud team announced just yet, but there'll certainly be some changes to that 15 from last weekend. But again, you know, with the travelling and everything that's involved, you're always liable to give the home team the nod here. I, th- I think Clare might just, just have, a, have a bit too much for Loud on this occasion. But it's I'd expect it to be pretty close, but I think Clare might just sneak through there. Second week of the Ladies' National Football League, and they've both been out already, Mead and Loud. Saturday, tomorrow, 1 o'clock in Division 1, Donegal play host to Mead, who lost first time out to Dublin. Yeah, beaten last week, beaten by six points in the end. I was at that game for, for LMFM and... As Davy Nelson mentioned afterwards, six points probably flattered Dublin a little bit. Meath had gotten it back to three with 10 minutes to go. And then Dublin got the last three scores of the game through three of their, their players off the bench. So Meath just come up a little bit short on that one. But I think there were some encouraging signs from some of the new players that came in. So I think that I don't think Davy Nelson would have been too worried. However, no new manager wants to start off with a, with a run of defeats. And, you know, Donegal were beaten by Galway last weekend. So they'll be looking to, to right that wrong and to get things back on track. Uh, it's very hard again, Jerry, to call these games early in the season. You just don't know what way teams are going in terms of training. But I, I definitely think it'll be a, a tight one again. And I, I think I saw enough from Mead. Of course, I didn't see Donegal last weekend. But having seen Mead last, last Saturday night, I think there's enough there. And they've enough experience that I, I think they might just edge that one. But again, it's, it's going to be a tight one. And uh, I would say important for, for them to just kind of keep things, keep things on track and, and not let the, the, the confidence slip too much to get the win there. But I, I think they'll just get, get through that one, hopefully, anyway. A new man at the helm for Loud, starting with a, a win last week when they beat Longford. Looking to build on that this week. And again, Loud on the road, Loud ladies. On Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock, they take on Offaly. Yeah, really impressive win for, for Loud last weekend. As you mentioned there, it was Kit Henry's first game in charge. And they didn't have much of a lead. I think it was three points or something like that at half time. We, we had the game live on, on the station. And, you know, at half time, it looked like it was going to be a pretty close game all the way to the finish. But Loud really put the foot down in the second half and pulled away and won very impressively in the end. Offaly were beaten by Wexford last week. Uh, fairly well beaten as well. So I'd expect Loud to get the win there. Kid Henry, as we said, over them, uh, his second game in charge. But if last, if last weekend's out to go by, I would expect Loud to get the win against Offaly, as I said, who were beaten. So, yeah, I, th- I think Loud will get the win there. And I mean, if they could if they could get themselves promoted to the, to the, to the next division, up to Division 2, it would be a really br- brilliant achievement for them because they kind of maybe have stagnated a little bit the last year or two. But uh, I'll give them the, the nod to get the win there against Offaly. Let's move to soccer and it's uh, FA Cup weekend uh, across the water and there is only one show in town and it's happening tonight with all due respect to all the other clubs. It's happening uh, tonight in Manchester and it's not the red half, it's the blue half. Man City against Arsenal, first place, second in the league tonight. How do you see this one going? 
Yeah, really, really exciting one. Unfortunately, I won't be able to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm out and about this evening, so I miss that one. I have to record it and try and avoid the result old-fashioned old way, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah, really interesting one. I, I kind of enjoyed Pep Guardiola's interview during the week. People might have seen his press conference from yesterday where he said when Arteta was the assistant manager at City and all the, all the games they won and all the goals they scored, Arteta would be jumping up and celebrating with Pep Guardiola whenever whenever City got a goal. But he said there was one team that, that Arteta never celebrated against, and it was Arsenal. And Guardiola said, "How hey, you know? I knew, I knew then that that he loved this club, and he was just sort of saying how they they are still great friends, and he's an awful lot of respect for him. I thought that was a nice touch, but it's going to depend on what what sides these two teams put out. I mean, I think, I think they'll both go reasonably strong. Um, it's a bit of a psychological kind of battle here, isn't it? Does it really matter who wins this game going mm. into the league games that will come up later in the season? But neither side will want to." take a beating i would expect arsenal to make maybe two or three changes city maybe to do something similar i i do think that they'll both want to win this one obviously it says you it's a it's a big game and it's a cup game but you know city would probably have have their eyes on the champions league and the and the, the premier league arsenal obviously have their eyes in the premier league but i think both sides will go into this um with really reasonably strong teams and will both want to come away from them. i expect it to be a pretty pretty tasty affair i think Arsenal will just squeeze through, but it's very hard to say. And if I had if I had the team sheets in front of me for later on, I'd be far better able to comment. But um, yes. I think I think it is going to be a really. I don't think there's going to be any kind of phony war here. I think they're both going to go at it, and uh, maybe maybe Pep and as he said earlier himself and Arteta might get into a scrap on the line, but they'll still be friends afterwards. But yeah, let's let's give Arsenal a, a sneaky a sneaky two one win here. I admire your confidence. Uh, the big game, of course, is the fifteenth of February, Wednesday night, when Arsenal host City at the Emirates in the league. But it, this is a great game to look forward to. Now I know you sent me a couple of games, but I'm going off script here because I picked two games out myself that I feel could be big shocks Oof. when it comes to the cup. Derby County, formerly of the Premier League, now lying low in the, the third tier of English football. They host West Ham. What about that one? Who do you think? Yeah, and um, Norton yourself, I'm old enough to remember the, the good old days when Derby County came at the baseball ground and, uh, and had a few home dingers of cup cup ties back in the early 90s. I think I remember one against Leeds that went to a replay and it was three all or something mad like that. But yeah, West Ham, it's a tricky one, you see, because they want to prioritise staying in the division, obviously, in the Premier League. and mm. But they they don't want to be going out to the likes of, the, of a Derby County either. Now, I don't think it's going to matter too much to David Moyes in terms of his job or anything. We talked about Frank Lampard last week possibly getting the bullet, and that's what happened. But, uh, you know, no no team wants to get dumped out of the cup by, by a club two divisions lower than them. So I certainly agree with you. I think this could be a potential... A potential upset. I think West Ham will will just about have enough to dig through. But again, what sort of team are they going mm. to put out? Are they going to hold players back for next weekend? Um, yeah, it's a conundrum for David Moyes. That's certainly a good call. I, I, it would be one you, you could see uh, there could be an upset in. But uh, I, I'm going to going to give West Ham a very 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 hesitant vote to, to squeak through against Derby in that one. And in 30 seconds, I'll just say two, uh, I'll name two clubs for you. Accrington Stanley against Leeds United. (laughs) (laughs) Who'll win that one? Oh, Leeds. Okay, Leeds, you're going to the Premier League side there. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love the yeah. Accrington name, I really do. We wish them all well in the Cup this weekend and the big game kicks it off tonight, Man City against Arsenal. All the GA here on LMFM and do join David for Sunday Sport on Sunday. It's a big afternoon. Thank you for joining me again. Thanks, Sherry. David Sheehan there, our presenter of Sunday Sport, rounding off the day and the week on Late Lunch. Big thank you to all our guests who joined us through the week. 
our listeners, your listeners who are with us every day. We love your company and we thank you for it. And to Louise Walsh, my producer, I couldn't do this show without her. I always say it and I mean it sincerely. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. Have yourselves a lovely weekend and do come back for a brand new week of late lunch where we say goodbye to January and hello to the spring on Wednesday every afternoon here. We'll see you Monday. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.